we're going to continue today in a series I started last week called If I Should Die Before I Wake. And I said this last Sunday, I will say it again, that this series is not about death. It's about life. It's about living life on purpose. It's about living with intentionality, which is what I talked about last week. It's about understanding and recognizing some things about life that honestly, I'm afraid too many of us don't remember, some of us don't know, and we need to be reminded, we need to be challenged to rethink some things and to be apprised of some things about life so that we can live it the way God meant for us to live it. And so this series is really about life. Today we're going to take a look at living aware, living with awareness. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you up front, ready? This is going to be one of those challenging messages. I don't want anybody to feel guilted, shamed, beat up, bloody, bruised. But this is one of those things that I'm so passionate about, and I see so many people not get this or forget this or act as if this isn't a big deal, that I'm pretty passionate about this topic and because I care and I love about you a great deal. I've got a friend, uh, and this is something that happened years ago. I haven't talked to her for quite a while, but her name's Stacy. And uh, she got saved. She came to know Jesus in one of our services, and I tell you, she got, she got radically saved. She just fell madly in love with Jesus. And it was awesome to see the, the change in her life and to see the, the, the things that were broken begin to get healed. It was, it was really encouraging to me. But about eight, nine, ten months later, maybe a year, but I don't think so. But it was eight or nine months at least later, Stacy came to me after service, made a beeline for me. I'm down front. And she said, I got something I need to talk to you about. I know I'm in trouble when people are wagging their finger at me. And I could see in her body language she was not happy. And I said, what's up? What's wrong? What's going on? She said, you didn't tell me. I said, what? She said, ever since I gave my life to Christ, all hell is broken loose, quote, unquote. And I smiled a little bit, and I said, and this surprises you, how? And she said, well, you didn't tell me. I, I think she thought that becoming a Christ follower was kind of like winning the lottery, <laughs> that everything would be fixed, and their life would get much easier, much better. Now, if you've walked with Jesus more than a week, you, you've already figured out that that's not necessarily true that things do get better, there are some great things that happen, but we enter into a cosmic war when we become Christ followers. The Bible's clear about this, and I'm going to take a look at some passages today. We enter into a battle, into a war zone when we become his, when we become Christians. And if you think you can just live on this planet completely unaware of that, then you're the people that I worry the most about because we are in a battle. We're in a battle. And if you're going to go into a battle, if you're going to go into a situation that is tough and it's scary and it's war, wouldn't you think it would be good to go prepared? It'd be best to go fully trained, fully prepared, fully equipped for the battle you're in. And, and just for example, this, if you're going to go into battle, would you send this guy? Yeah. I mean, look at the size of that gun and that equipment and that stuff. I love it. He, I would send this guy. Or would you send this guy or the next guy? No, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm thinking I'd send the other guy, and that would be my choice. Here's another one. Would you send this guy? <laughs> Talk about guns. Yeah. Or would you send him or this next person? I know, that looks like my grandma. And, you know, my grandma was a tough lady, but she's about four foot nothing. And I, if I'm going to send somebody into battle, I want to make sure they're prepared, they're equipped, they're trained, they're fully prepared for war. Now, there's nothing wrong with being, uh, nothing wrong with being a, a geek or a grandma, absolutely nothing at all. But without preparation, without going ready for battle, then you're gonna, you're, it's going to be ugly. You're going to get chewed up, spit out, and beat up, and it's, you're going to end up like my friend Stacy, 
who had no idea that you, you're in a battle, you're in a war. And little insert here, if you're investigating Christianity, if you're here today and you're thinking about becoming a Christ follower, I am excited that you are on a journey of discovery and that you're seeking, you're looking for answers. I'm going to tell you this is a safe place to discover grace and we're, we're going to give you lots of room and love on you as you just learn more about what it means and what that all entails. But let me just tell you, a part of it is if you say yes to Jesus, you're entering into the front lines of a battle into the front lines of a cosmic battle that's been happening for a long, long time. And so you need to go prepared. Well, what does that all mean for you and me? What does that boil down to us? Well, let me make it very clear. Too many of us forget that we actually are on the front lines. In fact, we are behind enemy lines at times. And we are in a serious battle with powerful forces of darkness. Let me say it again. You and I are in a serious battle with powerful forces of darkness. Where did I get such a crazy idea? Well, let me read you one passage from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 13. A guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote these words to a church that he loved a great deal about. And it was towards the end of his letter to the church in Ephesus, and he wanted them to survive. He wanted them to, to survive and to thrive in their, their faith. And so he wrote these words, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now the key phrase there is in the Lord, and it's his power. And Paul says, Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in him and his mighty power. And then he says, now here's what you need to do to help that become reality. Put on all of God's armor. It's not like, oh, I'm going to be strong and you want around. It's, no, I'm gonna, there's something I need to do. I put on them. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting, listen carefully to these words, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Sounds like a battle to me. That's where we get this idea of we're in a war. It's against evil rulers and authorities and unseen, against mighty powers in the dark world. In verse 13, Paul says, Therefore, because of that, put on every piece of God's armor, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, and then after the battle, you will be able to be standing, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. And Paul goes on in this chapter, and he describes some offensive and some defensive weapons that we need to use, and I won't take the time to go there today. You might want to read that passage on your own later. But what I want you to see here is that he uses some military language, strategies, uh, battle, armor. He's not talking... Cupcakes and cookies here. He's talking battle strategy. He's talking using military language. And it's because that's the battle we're in. And the question I want to ask you from the get-go here, are you prepared for the battle? Are you aware of what you're in as a Christ follower? And if you are or not, then I hope you will leave today more aware of it. And if you are, then the question is how. How can we survive and thrive in the battle? I'm going to give you some things to think about. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. Number one, be wise. How do you survive and even thrive in the battle? Number one, be wise. Only a fool wanders aimlessly into a minefield. Only a blithering idiot wanders into battle dressed in a swimsuit and flippers. We wouldn't do that. We're going to put the armor on, the helmet. We're going to get the biggest gun we can carry. But we forget sometimes, and that's my concern. And guys, I've seen it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. We forget that we have an enemy who hates God and hates everybody who's with God. Now, again, I don't say that to scare you, but hopefully to wake you up. We are in battle against one who hates everything about God, everything to do with God, and he hates you because of God. And he wants nothing more than to take you out. 
I am brokenhearted and can tell you way too many stories of people who've been taken out by the enemy, taken out by the strategies of the evil one, whose lives have been just tanked and, and they've experienced unbelievable pain and suffering and heartache and tragedy because they didn't understand they were in a battle. So we need to live wise. We need to be smart and live aware of this reality. Long time ago, I had a friend, worked for a firm, actually worked for this firm for decades. Been there a long, long time. And uh, he began to give in to some temptation. Now, this guy's a Christian. If you sat next to him in church, you would think, good Christian guy. But he had some temptations and some opportunities given to him by the enemy, by the way, to begin to steal from his company. And it started, wasn't thousands, it was just a little here and there. Take a little bit here, a little bit there. And he rationalized it. You know, there's the temptation, there's the opportunity. Well, you know, I've been working for this company for 30 years, and they don't pay me what I'm worth. I, I, you know, I deserve this. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to miss this. And so he gave in to temptation after temptation, little bit by little bit, until one day he went for the big payoff and got busted, and he lost everything. He lost his job. He lost his reputation. He lost his freedom. He ended up doing some time in jail. Why? Because he didn't realize he was in a battle. And he gave in to some of the little things, the strategies, those little nitpicking things that sometimes the enemy brings at us. It's rare that he comes with this great big banner saying, I'm going to attack you now. (laughs) Typically, it's the little things. It's the small things. It's these small, seemingly insignificant temptations that we give. That's no big deal. You know, it's just a little bit of skin on on TV. What's the big deal? Ah, you know, everybody watches porn once in a while. We give him just a little bit until it begins to get its hooks in us and takes us down. He gave in. You know, the truth is, like this guy, most of us, including me, in fact, I'll tell you, I'll own it, just about every stupid thing I've ever done has been the result of not being wise, of not living aware that I'm in a battle. And so what are some wise things we can do? Great, Kurt, be wise. Thank you for that encouragement. Well, I want to put some feet to that wisdom. I want to give you some practical things that will help you put wisdom in place in your life. And here's one, letter A in your outline. Establish clear boundaries in your life that will protect you. One of the wisest things you can do, trust me, I'm old enough to be able to say this from a lot of experience. One of the wisest things you can do, male, female, young, old, is to put some boundaries in your life, establish some clear boundaries in your life that will protect you. I think this is part of putting on the full armor of God that will help us stand against the enemy's schemes. Clear boundaries, what are they? Well, they're plainly defined and clearly maintain things we just won't do and places we just won't go. What are boundaries? What are you talking about? There are things that you decide in your life. They may not be the same for everybody else, but they're things that you, you've put in your life that are clearly defined and clearly maintain places that you just won't go and things you just won't do. And for decades, not just a few weeks, a few months, a few years, but for decades, I've operated with a clearly set, defined set of boundaries in my life. And I'm pretty sure that, the, that that's helped me a lot. I know that's helped me a lot, maintain a level of purity and holiness and, and integrity over the years. And I'm going to give you a few of mine, just as an example. I think these are worthy of being embraced by everybody, but these are the things that I put in place. And my wife knows these boundaries, and I've practiced them, again, for decades. One of them is I will never meet with an unrelated female in a closed environment, a closed office without a window, or in a building alone, period. You may notice that every office in this building has windows on, on the doors. 
There's a reason for that. My office has, it's full glass. And by the way, it's not because I'm worse than everybody else. But <laughs> I just like glass and sunlight. And so every person, every guy in the staff knows we're not going to meet. I will not meet with an unrelated female in, in any place with, without, that's closed, meaning without a, behind closed door without a window at least. If I'm in this building alone and, and a female comes in, I even say, well, I, I'm leaving now or you need to leave. Because I won't meet. You know, it's really hard to get in trouble when you're not alone. Have you figured that one out? I don't know how it happened. I don't know how she got pregnant. Well, I know how. <laughs> and it's really hard to happen. That doesn't happen when you're not alone. So that's a boundary I've established. Here's another one I've established in my life. I will not text, chat, IM, or Facebook message anyone unrelated to me of the opposite sex uh, about anything but business or church-related stuff. I'm not going to just flirt online. I'm not going to get emotionally involved online. It's not going to happen. And my wife can get online and look at my phone anytime she wants to. And I've got accountability partners as well. They will ask me, how you doing here? But I just won't go there. And here's another one that I put in place a long, long time ago. And it's, I will, I'm, I'm very careful about inappropriate or extended physical contact with someone of the opposite sex that I'm not related to. I hugged my wife a long time. But I am very careful. I'm a hugger. You know I'm a hugger. I hug, I've probably hugged all of you at least once. But I'm careful about inappropriate or extended physical contact with someone. And you know what I'm talking about. And I, for me, you know, this is inappropriate. A full body hug, that's inappropriate. <laughs> Wrapping my leg, that's, that's inappropriate. <laughs> extended. Oh, this is so, oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, I mean, and I, so I'm not going to define for you what's inappropriate and extended, but I know what it is for me. And I'm careful about it. And somebody's thinking right now, I know there's a few of you, I can see it in your faces. That sounds legalistic. And where's the freedom in that, brother? You need to read Galatians and get free. And I, when I hear stuff like that, I just meant I am free, but I'm not foolish. And there's a big difference. In fact, the way I look at these things, these boundaries in my life, let me make it clear. Let me give you another word picture. They are guardrails. They're not legalistic, ritualistic, religious rules. They're guardrails. If you've ever been on a mountain road on, in your car or on a bicycle or I've been on them on my motorcycle, if you've ever been on a mountain road and you look down and you see this steep drop off to death on the side, I mean, how many of you have ever looked at the guardrails and thought, stupid guardrails? <laughs> Man, I just feel really, my freedom's impeded. I just, I hate guard. No, you don't think that about guardrails. You're thinking, thank God for guardrails. I wish they had them all the way up everywhere. Why? Because you, and even though you don't plan on running into the guardrails, you're glad that they're there. They give you a sense of security and boundary protection. A, a wise person, let me just put it clearly, a wise person lives aware of some simple and some important boundaries they need to put into their life. Be wise. Here's another way you can be wise. Letter B, commit to personal and spiritual growth. Commit to personal and spiritual growth. I wish that wisdom could just be deposited into our brains like through some transplant. I wish that you could just take a wisdom pill every day. Wouldn't that be cool? Wake up in the morning, take your multivitamin, and pop your wisdom pill, and baby, you're good to go. I wish that, you know, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I start feeling stupid. I just pop another wisdom pill. I'm good. <laughs> but wisdom doesn't come by accident, and it doesn't come that easy. It comes by committing to growth. Committing. Committing to be a learner. 
committing to the process of becoming a student and a learner of God, his word, and his ways. That's where wisdom is found. Some of you, and please, please, please know I love you guys, and I told you this was going to be challenging a little bit in your face. But some of you, and I talked about this last week, you don't pick up your Bible during the week, and you're not even sure where it is right now. And, and, and I, I worry about you. I'm not saying that to shame you or make you feel bad, but the Bible is filled with wisdom. It's filled with a wealth of wisdom. In fact, for years, a practice of mine is there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. I'll read on the first of the month, Proverbs 1. I don't know how many times, hundreds of times, I've read through the book of Proverbs. We need to get the word in us. We need to become wise by exposing ourselves to the wise teachings of the word, to, to others, to people who are wiser and smarter than us, who've been down the road a bit and can help us and can hold us and, and bring us to the place where we learn from them as well. We need to practice wisdom. We need to become students and learners. We need to seek it, go after it, and pursue it with all our hearts. Solomon, one of the wisest kings, considered one of the wisest kings of Israel to ever live, wrote these words in Proverbs 3. He said, blessed are those who find wisdom those who gain understanding, for she, wisdom, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. And verse 15 says, nothing you desire can compare with her. Nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. Why? Because wisdom will save you a whole lot of heartache and a whole lot of trouble. But you find wisdom. I love the fact that he says here, find wisdom and gain understanding. That happens when you desire it when you search for it, when you seek it, when you look for it, because you see the value in it. As of Friday, I think gold's up to over $1,600 an ounce. That's incredible. I tell you, when it gets to 2000 I'm selling my teeth. They're gone. <laughs> but the, the Bible says, Solomon says, wisdom is worth more than all the wealth that you can ever amass. Why? Again, because finding wisdom and gaining understanding will save you a whole lot of heartache. And a whole lot of trouble. So here's something I want you to ponder. Don't answer out loud, but I want you to chew on this. When you think back over this past week, most of us, we don't have to go further than a week. When you think back over this past week, did you live wise? Did you live aware of the battle that you're in? Or did you live foolish, perhaps, and unaware? And again, I don't say that to beat you up, but we choose. And I, my encouragement to you is I want you to enter into this next week saying, you know, God, I need you to help me be wise. I need to learn wisdom. I need to get wisdom from your word, wisdom from others, wisdom from, from your ways. God, I need to know you better. I need to learn how to do life better so that I can be the kind of person you want me to be and experience the life you want me to experience. And learn, God, I want to be a learner. I want to commit to being a, a disciple, a growing disciple of Jesus so that I grow in wisdom. James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God, and he'll give it to you liberally. That's a great promise. Now, that doesn't mean you ask God, and he's just going to peel your brain back and pour wisdom in. He gives it to you liberally through life, through experiences, through walking with him, through encountering, through his spirit, which dwells within you as a Christ follower. But we've got to seek it and desire it more than gold. All right, here's the second thing. Let's move on. Second thing you can do to survive and even thrive in the battle, number two, be true. Be true. What do I mean by this, and how does that apply to surviving and thriving in the battle? Well, being true means being faithful. If you're taking notes, write that word next to the word true. It's faithful. Being true is being faithful. It means holding the line. The next bullet in your outline. Hold the line and stay the course no matter what is thrown at you. Staying true means I'm going to hold the line. I'm not going to retreat. I'm not going to run. And I'm going to stay faithful no matter what life or the enemy throws at me. I'm going to make a choice, a commitment to stay true. 
when I was recovering from surgery, my first week was really hard. I mentioned last week I had hiccups for five days. That sucked, literally. And uh, that was not fun. And then I had, I had, uh, uh, I couldn't sleep very well, and that makes you miserable, and I'm in pain and not doing well. So, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of suffering, feeling bad and sorry for myself, and I had this idea. Now, I think it was a God idea. I think it was a God thought. But the idea was, I'm going to watch the entire Band of Brothers World War II series in one sitting. Yeah, now you're talking. <laughs> now, I don't know if you like war movies or anything like that, and it's bloody, it's gory, it's, 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 it's realistic. But uh, I own it because I love it, and I thought, you know, I'm going to watch something. And my reason, here's, here's why I think God put this thought. I really do think God gave me this thought. I wanted to watch something that would have put my suffering in perspective. Because if you've ever talked to anybody who's been to war, if that's you, you know, man, surgery and having hiccups, that's nothing. It is nothing compared to what these guys suffered. And I knew, I had hoped, and, and it in fact did happen, that by watching this, this series, all 10,000 hours of it, whatever it was, that I, would get, that I would get perspective and that it would encourage me. But another thing happened. There's one scene, and I was going to show it to you, but all the women would run out of here screaming and yelling at me, so I didn't, show it, I didn't want to show the video clip. But there's this one scene where the Germans are just pounding them with, with, with uh, bombs, and just, it's just chaos, and it's horrible, and it's tragic, and people are losing limbs. And, okay, I won't get any, But anyway, it's really ugly, and it's very destructive and very violent, and the commander the whole time, I love it, he's yelling, hold the line, hold the line. Why? Well, he didn't he wanted to encourage the guys, don't retreat, don't bail, but here's the reason why, because he knew that if they got up and retreated, if they left their the foxholes, that somebody else would have to come and fill them later and that all the lives that were lost so far would have been wasted. And he said, so hold the line. Stay true. Stay faithful. Be true. Staying true is staying faithful to our choice, to your choice to follow our king, to follow our commander-in-chief, Lord Jesus. It's choosing to love him rather than other things. It's choosing to love him as kingdom first and foremost rather than this world and its own pleasures. John wrote this in 1 John 2. He said, do not love the world or anything in it. Now, anybody confused about that scripture verse? Do I need to expound on that at all? I give you the Greek if you need it. I'm kidding. It's really pretty clear, isn't it? Do not love the world or anything in it. If you love the world, love for the Father is not in you. Here's what people who belong to this world do. They try to satisfy what their sinful natures want to do. They long for what their sinful eyes look at. They brag about what they have and what they do. All of this comes from the world. It doesn't come from the Father. The world and its evil longings are passing away, but those who do what God wants them to do live forever. At some point, we all have to come to terms with this reality. Are we going to really give our lives to what matters most? Are we going to be loyal to God and his kingdom or to ourselves or something else? You know, the, the good news is, and this is such good news for you, for me, all the power of heaven is available to us. God's given us his word. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us the gifts of his spirit. All the power of heaven is available to you and me to do what God calls us to do. I, I said this last week. I'll say it again. God never asks you to do something without empowering and equipping you to do what he calls you to do. He has made it available. Our part is to choose. You know, I said last week that we choose our, our, our treasures. I want to tell you this week what John is saying here is that we choose our affections as well. What are you going to be loyal to? Who are you going to be loyal to? And John says, 
put your focus where it matters most, not on this world. Don't love this world or the things in it. The call here is to love and to stay true to the Father, to stay true to what he's called us to. And I'm going to tell you something else very honestly. It's not always easy to do that. How many of you discovered that one already? It's not always easy to stay faithful. It's not always easy to hold the line and to stay the course. But again, not only do we have all of the resources of heaven available to us, but there's something else we have. We have others, other people around us that are there, which takes me to my final and last point here, number three, is be connected. How do you survive and thrive in the battle? Well, you don't go alone. You stay connected. Being connected is one of the top four values. We've got it on the words on the walls. Four words on the walls, on the, on the wall here at East Point. One of our top four values, love, connect, serve, grow. That's what we're all about. Love, connect, serve, grow. And of course, I want you to be connected to God. And I talked, I've talked many times about loving God and being connected to him in relationship with him, in prayer, in the word, getting to know him. That's certainly going to help you. That's going to be what Paul talked about, being strong in the Lord. That's where that comes from. And I just talked about growth. If you missed it, I talked about spiritual growth. That's one of the the core values as well. But right now I want to focus on this value of being connected to others, to others who share with us in this battle, in this journey that we're on. And how do we get connected and how do we stay connected and what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, letter A in your outline. Establish and maintain friendships that will support you and provide reasonable accountability. One of the best ways that you can be connected to others, one of the wisest ways that you can be connected to others, one of the most important ways that you and I can be connected to people is to establish and maintain friendships that support us and that provide reasonable accountability. I'm not saying that they're the the morality cops who call you 24-7 all the time. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? But they're there to ask the questions when they need to be asked. And they provide reasonable accountability. I'm going to tell you, God never meant for you to go it alone. God never wanted you to be a lone ranger. There are no supermans or wonder womans. They're just, I guess I'm really dating myself with those examples, aren't I? I, I, maybe I should talk about Optimus Prime. Is that better? I'm looking at somebody young. But even Optimus Prime needed the other Autobots. We can, and you think it's somebody going, I get it now. Okay, thanks. <laughs> we, we cannot go alone. We were never meant to do this alone. Ask anyone who's gone to war. And I look around the room, and I know some of you have been there. Ask anyone who's ever gone to war. Ask them if they would rather go alone or with a whole bunch of other people. And they will tell you, Every time they're going to tell you, oh, no, I don't want to go alone. I don't want to go. I don't care how much, you know, armor I've got on and how big a gun I've got. I want to go with a platoon, a company. I want to go with a whole lot of people. I do not want to go alone. And God doesn't want you to go alone either. I can't tell you how many times my bacon has been saved because of the relationships I have, because of the supportive relationships I have, the meaningful relationships I have with other people in my life. Here's more of the wisdom of Solomon found in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. He said, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. And if one person falls, and I might put, if I was writing this, when, but if one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Again, way too many times. Way too many stories, and I'm not going to take the time to tell you some this morning. But way too many times I've seen people get isolated and insulated 
they withdraw, they're not connected. They think, oh, I can do this, I've got it. I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm fine. I don't, I'm you know, good. Ask them how they're doing, I'm doing great, great. But, I'm, and, but really they're not. And they, they, they try to go it alone, they try to do the battle alone and they end up getting eaten alive. They end up getting devoured by the enemy. To survive, to thrive, to succeed in this battle that we're in, we need each other. We need others. We need someone who will help us up when we stumble or when we fall. And frankly, we need somebody who will kick us in the butt when we start getting stupid. Somebody who we've given a rite of passage to in our life, and they go, what are you thinking? And they look us in the eye, and because they love us, that's the key part. Because they love us, they can look us in the eye and say, how are you doing? And when you start to give them the baloney answer, they go, no, 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 really. How are you doing? What's really going on in your life? And we, because we have that relationship, because of that honesty, because of the supportive nature of that relationship, they save our bacon a lot of times from trouble. But for us to get there is one last thing we need to do. Let's let it be in your outline. We need to practice transparency. You know, you can talk about connection and accountability and support and all that stuff as much as you want. But until we're willing to get real, to be transparent with someone, then we're not going to experience the measure of safety that can come from relationships. So let me be clear about something. Let me be very clear about this. Nothing good ever comes from hiding or denying your sin or your struggle. Nothing. Well, yeah, but I want to protect. Well, maybe, okay, I've heard, you know, I don't want to tell my wife everything because she'll be hurt. Okay, maybe to some degree there's some wisdom in that. But you need to tell somebody. That friend, that guy who will understand and support you and stand with you. Because nothing, I promise you, nothing good comes from hiding our sin. But we humans have been doing that from the beginning. Read the book all the way back to Adam and Eve. What sin, God? I don't know what you're talking about. And they hid in the dark. They, they ran from God. God's walking, looking for them. Where are you, Adam and Eve? Well, we hid. We hid from you because... We were ashamed. We were naked and ashamed. Our human nature is to hide. I, believe me, I, I know personally how easy it is. We fail. We don't want to confess it. We don't want other people to know. But the best thing that you, can, I, you and I can do when we fail, when we are struggling with sin, is bring it to the light. Because the instant we bring it to the light, it begins to lose its power. The instant you bring it to someone who cares about you, then you can get help. James 5.16, the Amplified Bible puts it this way. Confess to one another your faults. And I love the Amplified because just in case you're not sure what faults are, he describes it. Your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. Confess to one another your faults and pray for one another. Encourage, support, bring each other to the throne of God. And pray for one another so that you may be healed. Wholeness, find wholeness, be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. James says, when you blow it, don't hide. In fact, I'll give you a real simple phrase. If you're taking notes, write this down. Openness. Openness is what leads to wholeness. Openness leads to wholeness. As you confess, as you bring that, that thing that you're struggling with, that failure, that thing that you don't really want to talk about, and you bring that to a brother, or you bring that to a sister and say, I need your help, that's when we get real. That's when we experience that honesty transparency, and that's where we begin to find wholeness and health.
Why is all this so important to me? I could take a lot more time. I'm almost done. Well, why? Because let me say it again, guys, you and I are in a very real battle against a very real enemy. And they're powerful forces of darkness. And if you think that you can face it alone, then that's a foolish attitude on your part. If you think you don't need others, then that is a lie from the pit of hell. We need wisdom. We need to stay true. And we need to be connected to others. And I don't talk about the enemy and darkness to put fear in your hearts. I don't want anybody to leave here afraid at all, but I don't want you to be foolish anymore either. I want you to know what you're in and to be ready and prepared and equipped for the battle that's, that's already happening all around us. Let me pray for your battle heads. Let's pray. Lord, I know um, how true this is and how the battle rages all around us. And I know, Lord, because I've been there too, that it's so easy for us to just be ignorant of that, unaware. God, the Holy Spirit, I ask you, please, open eyes today to see the battle they're in. Some have been raging against their spouse, Lord, and their spouse really isn't the enemy. Some have been raging against financial issues and raging against health issues, and what they really haven't figured out yet is that there's a spiritual force behind that that they need to deal with at the heart level, at the root. And God, I, I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that, that not one person, please, Lord, don't let anybody leave here today afraid of the battle because we have you, we have your spirit within us, we have one another. But I do pray, God, that we would leave here far more aware than we came and far more ready to get prepared, to get equipped, to get trained, to walk wisely, faithfully, and to walk connected to others in a way that will protect us and help us to become all that you want us to become. I'm going to ask you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet begun your life as a Christ follower. <laughs> and maybe you're thinking, man, if I'm going to enter into a war and a battle, I don't, I don't know if I want to. Listen, you're already in the battle. You're already there. The issue is, are you going to battle on the side of light? Are you going to, are you going to battle with the resource of heaven behind you, with the Holy Spirit inside you helping you, or not? You're already in it. Jesus wants to save you and bring you to life and light and his presence and what you can find in him because he loves you. And for you to get there means you've got to admit that you need help, that you cannot do it on your own, that you're a sinner that needs the saving grace of God. And I'm going to pray a very simple prayer right now. And if this is you, whether you're sitting in this room right now or watching online, I'm going to ask you to just make these words yours right now. Just make my prayer your prayer. Father, I failed. I've sinned. I have gone far from what I know you want, and that's not even what I want for my life. And so right now, I come to you and admit that I need you. I need a Savior. I need your help. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your mercy in my life. And so right here, right now, I surrender everything I am in my life to you. And I confess, yes, I confess, I need you. I've sinned, and I need a Savior. And I surrender my life to you. And from this moment on, by the grace of God and with the help of those surrounding me in the faith, I'm going to follow you into eternity and beyond. Thank you. Thank you for loving me. Now, if that's you and that's your prayer, just make those words yours. Just say, yep, God, that's me. That's what I want. I'm in. And the second you do, the Bible says you enter from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That you become a child of God. You're adopted into his family. 
Lord, for those that have made that choice right now, seal in their hearts what you're doing. Show them the breadth, the depth, and the amazing truth of what this means in their lives. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Ushers are going to come. And if you uh, have the offering um, bag past you and you want to put the communication card in there, now would be a good time to do that. If you're visiting, feel, don't feel obligated to give. If this is your church home, this is your church family, please give to support what God's doing here in the ministry of East Point. Let's give as we worship. I'll come back and wrap it up. Listen, if you... Uh, we're able to sing that song this morning for the first time. It's truth in your life because you gave your life to Jesus today. Tell somebody. They will walk with you. We want to be connected with you. I'd love to hear. And there's a packet on the tables as you walk out. It says for new Christians on it. It's got a Bible. This material gets you started in your walk with Jesus. Please pick one of those up. Uh, if you need prayer, prayer team will be down here in this communable size of the room. Before you go, let me just give you one last thing. I want to read you this one verse from Peter. Peter says, stay alert. This is my prayer for you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So Peter said, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Stand firm and be strong in your faith. That's my prayer for you this week. Go walk with Jesus in the strength of his love. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming today.